Section 8 of Four Science Fiction Novellas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Four Science Fiction Novellas by Harl Vincent. The Copper Clad World. Chapter 8. Last of the Rulans. Bathed and fed and attired in dry clothing provided by Dantor, the Earthman and Rulan Maiden were much refreshed and hardened when, together, they finally faced the aged scientist in the laboratory of the secret apartment. He hadn't allowed them to talk as yet. Blaine glanced at the ragged opening where the stone door had been blown away. "'We're safe from intrusion here?' he asked. Dantor shrugged expressive shoulders. "'The Trituanu is empty of life,' he said. "'A sepulchre.' Those of our people who were not completely disintegrated lie black in corpses in the chambers and corridors overhead. The gas grenades, you know. The guards went to Ionito with Farley and reported you dead, lost in the jungle from which none return. Farley! Blaine shouted. He is alive? A wild hope sprang into being, intensified to a certainty as Dantor nodded. "'Why, yes, I thought you knew. "'They captured him very soon after the escape, "'but were unable to find you and Yulana. "'Ianito has mechanized him. "'He is in a hypnotic state of complete subjection to the dictator. "'A quantity of K-metal has been taken to the laboratory "'at the breach of the great rocket tube, "'and Farley now works there with Ianito's crew, "'initiating them into the mysteries of the metal's uses. "'Things look very bad.' Blaine lost his elation over the knowledge that his friend was alive. Tommy was doomed anyway. They were all doomed. Why did you bring us back? he asked, turning away. Blaine felt it was better to have died in the jungle than to face this certainty of lingering torture. Ianito had triumphed. The universe was fated for utter annihilation, and Yulana would suffer for weeks, perhaps months, before the final swift dissolution. Understanding, Dander smiled gravely. My boy, he said, we still live, and while we live there is hope. That is the reason I brought you back. Titus' message came to me as his spirit left the body, and I made haste to come here as soon as the Zara released me, and I knew the coast was clear. What hope can there be? Appalled by the enormity of the disaster that threatened the solar system, certain of the ultimate fate that would be meted out to Tom Farley, and convinced of their own helplessness. Blaine was gloomily unenthusiastic. That remains to be seen, Carson. I confess it seems impossible of remedy, but the situation must be faced and studied carefully. Insignificant as we are in the vastness of the cosmos, we may yet prove to be the ones to circumvent the mad plans of the Lota, and prevent the catastrophe which is inevitable if they succeed. We must not give up while we still breathe. The indomitable spirit of the old scientist glistened in his keen eyes, and he stepped to the controls of the crystal sphere. He will not give up, Odantor, Yulana exclaimed loyally. He is with us to the end. Do I speak truth, my Carson? Her arm slipped through his, and he thrilled anew at her fragrant nearness. Give up? Never. Not with Yulana to fight for. 
Blaine nodded wordless agreement, silenced by the expression of Dantor's face as the crystal vibrated to a musically throbbing note. There in the crystal ball was pictured a vast underground workshop, somewhat like the one in the great dome through which they had entered the copper-clad world. In place of the telescope there was the butt of a gigantic cannon-like tube that towered and was lost in the shadows of the vaulted chamber. Tom Farley, moving jerkily and staring with glazed, unseeing eyes, was working there with a cube of glittering K-metal. In the open breech block of the tube was a heaped-up cone of dry soil, the material they would disintegrate in producing the blast of electronic forces. Blaine groaned as his friend called for the equivalent of a milligram of radium. Though his voice was listless and his movements uncertain, Tommy knew what he was doing, and was giving away the secret, powerless to resist the command Ionito had implanted in his completely subjective mind. Ah, Danter breathed, progressive annihilation of energy, a thing we never have accomplished. You cite ordinary materials such as this dry soil by means of atoms exploded from this K-metal, which is in turn excited by ordinary radium that can be used over and over as the primary excitant. Am I correct? You are. There are precise ratios of atomic weights to be considered, of course, but it looks as if my friend is being extremely accurate in spite of his dazed condition. Man alive! There is enough material there to provide power for the entire planet Venus for a month. And enough to start Antrid from her orbit, Dantor returned. Enough to send her on her fatal journey sunward? Only for the first acceleration. A vast amount of energy is needed, Carson, since the gravitational attraction of the planet you call Jupiter is enormous. Antrid will be speeded up in its orbit, and the increased centrifugal force will cause it to take up a new and larger orbit where the forces will equalize. Several charges will be required in order to free her entirely from the mother body. There's time, then, Blaine exclaimed excitedly. What can we do to put a stop to the thing? Something to counteract this control by Ionito, to cause Tommy to err in his proportions. Yes, that would do it, temporarily at least, Dantor agreed, his brow wrinkled in thought. And there are the invisible cloaks. It is a bare chance if you want to take it. I can show you the way to this underground laboratory, and in invisibility. You might even be able to change the ratios yourself. Yes, yes, it's a very good idea. The scientist brightened with renewed hope. Of course I'll chance it. When do I start? Dantor grinned in appreciation, and Yulana looked up at him starry-eyed. "'I'm going with you,' she stated simply. "'Not on your life. There'll be danger. I won't have it. Nevertheless, I'm going. There's another cloak, and besides, the danger would be greater if I were alone. Where you go, I go, and if you die, I die with you, gladly.' She twined her fingers with his, and gazed at him appealingly. Dantor, this can't be. He turned to the scientist for support. The aged scientist studied the two a little while, and then said quietly, I am afraid it is better as she wishes, Carson. I am unable to protect her, my boy, and there is no one else who might give her shelter. We are the last of the Rulons, she and I, 
the very last oh yulana moaned pale and distraught all all are gone all my dear in his rage the dictator destroyed the tritu denu and the tritu raortu when he had finished here those were the last settlements remaining you know we alone are left behind yulana dantor bowed his head and the girl sobbed silently good heavens blaine carson was aghast at the revelation a monstrous deed this last one of ianito's he was a fit master of a world gone mad a monster in the twisted semblance of human form he will be searching for you o dantor the girl said with sudden conviction she had mastered her emotions and was instantly alert to every angle of the situation that is true said the old man gravely for myself i have nothing to fear of course though insanely jealous of my accomplishments he maintains an armed truce with me he dares not do otherwise as the supreme council is aware of his shortcomings and cognizant of my superior knowledge of science but there is danger to you too you must make haste a trembling of the ground beneath them lent added emphasis to his final words a quick glance into the crystal told them that the initial charge was at work in the huge rocket tube the laboratory there at its base was in confusion indescribable the workmen running hither and yon in the effort to escape the terrific heat that radiated from the red-hot breach of the tube they jammed the exits in their anxiety to be anywhere but near this monster source of energy whose pulsating roar drowned out all other sounds in the vast chamber already antrid was accelerating in velocity her vitals were wretched and twisted groaning in protest quick now blaine was adjusting one of the invisible cloaks for ilana he'd have to take her with him a silent prayer for her safety was on his lips invisible now and hand in hand they followed dantor through the deserted passageways to the lift which carried them quickly to the roof a drumming sound came to their ears as they stood there looking up into the blackness above the blue-white lights of antrid vibrating to the tremendous roar of the rocket tube the copper shell emitted a constantly increasing reverberation that was like a long-drawn peal of thunder on earth or venus it was awe-inspiring that sonorous bombillation deafening dantor was fumbling with the mechanisms of the remote control which titus had used in returning the basket lift to the car that had brought the two earthmen from ilandar again and again he returned to his manipulations after peering anxiously upward but the basket did not respond to the call they were marooned atop the empty shell of the trituanu carson ulana where are you the aged scientist shouted above the din his face a tragic mask his lips compressed with anxiety and disappointment they grasped him to reassure him each taking a hand carson placing his lips close to the old man's ear inquired anxiously what's the trouble the car does not respond something has happened to the motors probably on account of the vibration i can do nothing and then piercingly through the thunderings of the copper shell a voice broke in ianito's voice dantor it shrieked at last i have found you 
I need your help immediately. Wait there for the monorail. Dantor gripped them tightly to enjoin silence. Ionito had located the scientist with the searching ray and was still watching and listening at his crystal. He seemed not to know that Blaine and Yulana were there. Very well, O oh Anito, I shall wait, Dantor shouted. It is good. There is important work to be done. Ionito's words trailed off into the maelstrom of sound that swirled about them. He's cut off, the scientist yelled. There is but one chance now. You must come with me. Depending on absolute silence and your cloaks to deceive them, it is the only way. Yulana clung to him there in the terrifying bedlam, and Blaine's fingers strayed to the comforting butt of the ray pistol. Whatever happened, there were a few changes left, blasts of energy that would serve at least to postpone the end for Yulana, or, if worse came to worst. The sudden rush of a monorail car high overhead interrupted his thoughts. Close to me now, Dander shouted, but have a care lest one of them touch you and discover. A cable-hung cage dropped swiftly to the roof, and they crowded in beside the scientist. Quickly it whisked them aloft to the higher plane. In the monorail car, Blaine held the girl close, and they trod softly as they dodged the guard at the porthole and stepped into the passenger compartment. Two of Ionito's technical experts were there, and a crew of at least a dozen of the green bronze giants. Unseen by any, the couple tiptoed to the farthest corner of the compartment and took seats in a recessed section. With a quick jerk and the rising whine of the motors, the suspended vehicle started back in the direction of Illandar. In earnest conversation with Ionito's engineers, Dantor affected an air of nonchalance that was artfully disarming. The Lotus suspected nothing as the car continued on its way. And then there came an ominous grinding sound from underneath the very seat occupied by the invisible fugitives. A puff of dense black smoke followed, and Yulana coughed spasmodically, uncontrollably. They were coming now, two of the green's bronze ones, to investigate. There was no escape from this narrow space. And Yulana was gone. She had slipped from his grasp in the coughing fit, and he could not find her with his wildly searching hands. Another betraying cough over there. The green bronze ones were between them. He saw one of them draw back in amazement, then clench his fingers and twist. The ripping sound of torn material followed, and the girl's head and startled face appeared, floating there, unsupported, her body and limbs yet invisible. But they'd found her. She was lost. End of Section 8